0: The Southeast Florida studios of the law firm Tripp Scott in Fort Lauderdale. This is Politics and Sunshine, a continuing series of interviews with local and national subject matter experts, tackling the issues that make you stand up. In this episode, Tripp Scott CEO Ed Poswale talks to Texas Congressman Lance Gooden. Here's your host, Ed Poswale.
1: With us today, we're joined by Representative Lance Gooden, Congressman from the 5th District in Texas. The Congressman serves on the Financial Services Committee. We're here to talk a little bit today about the economy and the debt ceiling and various financial concerns that his committee deals with. Congressman, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Can you give our listeners an update on the discussions around the debt ceiling?
2: Yes. Uh, in fact, I spoke with uh, Speaker McCarthy about this just yesterday. I, I don't know if uh, how much you're following it, but McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, and Joe Biden all met together. And the meeting ended basically without a deal, but I think um, with the realization that Democrats are going to have to come to the table with something. Uh, as you're aware, in the Republican House, we passed a bill that uh, resulted – the results in cuts uh, across the appropriations and across the budget, and but it also raises the limit. So we've said all along we're willing to raise the debt limit, but we want to do it responsibly. So we support a responsible – Debt limit increase, Democrats have wanted a clean reauthorization with no cuts, no negotiations, and so uh, President Biden has refused to meet with McCarthy until just this week. Uh, Janet Yellen, uh, Treasury Secretary, said that on the first of June, we will be unable to uh, continue paying our obligations as a nation. So June first has kind of been the drop dead day um, in the last three days though. Uh, staff members representing each of the gentlemen i just mentioned have been meeting, and I think they'll probably come up with some kind of a plan in the end. You know, uh, Democrats are going to want to say that they've won on this, but in fact, the, the they think they've already lost just by meeting with McCarthy and agreeing to talk uh, some kind of cuts. But I think what we'll end up seeing is a deal that uh, Joe Biden gets behind that probably does something along the lines of claws back The unspent covid funds, uh, I believe there's 50 plus billion uh, dollars in that Um, there'll be a a few other cuts that moderate Democrats can support. And the Joe Biden uh, will be very um, hard pressed to say no to. And then I believe we'll we'll have a deal. I hope it will be before June 1st. uh, But the House is not in session the week after Memorial Day. And so it wouldn't surprise me if Janet Yellen comes out and magically says that we actually have until June 10th or June 15th to get a deal done. Uh, But I do suspect it will get done. I suspect there will be some kind of cuts. They won't be major, uh, but they'll be significant and um, everyone will come together and we'll get this done.
1: Part of the cuts that the House, the Republican House has been asking for is simply a clawback on the monies that have yet to be spent on COVID relief. Well, there's a whole, a whole lot of cuts yeah. in in what we passed Isn't that significant though.
2: It It, it is, but we also, um, we also realized that we're not going to get everything we want. And so we've, uh, we've been pretty reasonable in that sense. We know that there are some things, um, that Democrats will absolutely not go for. Um, they're not going to go for any cuts to the, their quote debt inflation reduction plan. And you remember they passed that last year, right. um, they don't want us, um, they don't want uh, too many regulatory reforms in this, but I do think there will be some uh, energy-related reforms that they may be able to go for. I don't know what kind of border security we can get in the deal, um, but they're going to they're gonna have to agree to something, and it just doesn't make sense to just pass it without any kind of uh, negotiations or compromise. Kevin said that when he was in that meeting in the White House that Chuck Schumer was – Quoting history and saying, you know, we've always done it this way. We've this has never been a political issue. And then Kevin pulled out a sheet of paper that had quotes from Schumer and Pelosi talking about how a debt limit increase should be a bipartisan agreement. And so he used their quotes against them over the last 15 years, and the room got quiet. So I uh, I think Democrats uh, have their backs up against a wall. And they know that uh, Republicans are not going to vote for a clean reauthorization. And it's really, it's difficult for Democrats to make a case that we should still have billions of dollars of COVID funds that are unspent sitting in a bank account when they've made declarations that the COVID pandemic is over.
1: It seems to me that at the very least, the House Republicans are trying to bring some fiscal sanity to the process as opposed to just writing the blank check every time. And that seems to me the position of this. They they are. And, you know, historically, Mitch
2: McConnell um, has had to come to the rescue and um, do the deal making. Democrats are hoping he'd do that this time. But he's actually been very, very good. Even the um, hardcore McConnell haters um, have not been critical of him in this process. He's deferred to Kevin McCarthy. He's told Chuck Schumer and the Democrats and the president that they're going to have to negotiate with Kevin and that the Senate Republicans will support whatever the Republican led House gets behind. And so it's been really nice for a change to have folks like Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski uh, just be quiet and uh, let us negotiate in the House where we have the majority.
1: So the good news is that at least the Republicans, both the House and Senate are lining up in support of what the House is asking for as part of the debt limit deal.
2: Yes, and a rare and welcomed
1: change, if that is correct. We should encourage more of that. Um, We should, we should. (laughs) Let me ask a couple of questions about the bank failure issues and some of the stability of our banking system. Can you provide any insights as to what you see? Are we done with the bank failures? Is there still lingering concerns of the security? I don't think people are worried about the um, security, but I think
2: people are worried about jittery the depositors pulling their funds out of these small banks i i saw yesterday there's a another bank out west i believe that has had uh, not necessarily a run on the bank but their deposits have uh, really uh, walked away and the, you know the big banks have helped um, absorb some of this but they really don't want a system where there are no community banks um, i believe that the banking system is very secure um, but people tend to get spooked and then pull their money out of these small banks. I've talked to the community banks across my district. All of them have seen drops in deposits, um, customers moving to some of the bigger banks. But I, uh, I'm hoping that cools off. I think the the markets will probably pop back up once we get this debt limit issue behind us, and I'm hoping we can move on past this uh, banking issue. But I don't have any um, any huge insight other than to tell you that we're uh, we're watching it, but we think that the worst is behind us, and I sure I sure
1: hope it is. Yeah, I mean, sadly, some of the smaller banks, the regional banks who provide real service to local communities have been impacted, mostly because the impact of some of what's occurred back out in California and some of the banks, basically the rush to move equity over to some of the bigger banks like J.P. Morgan or Bank America, and it's uh, impacting some of the more regionals. That's a little bit of what you're saying, right?
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, there's really not a, a security issue as much as there is a, a perception issue. Um, the perception, I mean, there's no perception that the FDIC is not secure. Um, that they have recently proposed at the FDIC, um, that larger lenders are, are they're, they're saying basically that larger, larger lenders are paying for the affairs of these banks. Um, and we've got a few proposals out there to shore up the FDIC and kind of increase faith in the system. I think you'll see that uh, coming out of the Financial Services Committee on the House side. Um, but uh, we want to make sure that the nation and the world is uh, confident in our banking system. The support uh, for uh, FDIC reforms is, I think, customers and the business community will feel a lot more comfortable in the months to come.
1: But that said, is there a, any support for the federal government basically backing every dollar and every deposit in every bank?
2: I, I don't think that you're going to see support over that FDIC limit right now. I, I don't think the Biden administration or even Republicans, um, whatever your ideological line is, uh, is there. The support is there to uh, send a message that uh, if you fail, we'll rescue you. Um, I, I realize that's that message has been sent with a few of these failures, but uh, there have to be rules followed, and uh, there is also okay. this thought among some. Um, that if a bank is bad, then perhaps it should fail. Um, So uh, to send a message that you're not gonna just be rescued for for bad business, but uh, some of these bank failures are not necessarily uh, because of uh, bad management. Uh, Some of it is just jittery markets and uh, depositors that get spooked. So I think they're trying to find the fine line between that and make decisions uh, accordingly.
1: Right. Let me switch gears. Since your congressional district is parts of Dallas and Texas and your state has to deal with the border crisis uh, much more directly than most, what can be done to secure the border, given the Biden administration's stance on some of this? Well, the
2: House uh, passed our border plan yesterday. Uh, It's a border security plan. It's important to note it's not an immigration plan. Immigration reform and border security are two very different things. Democrats say we want immigration reform and Republicans do, too. But we can't start talking about immigration reform as long as we have tens of thousands of people pouring across our borders uh, without any kind of security. We've got to secure the border, and then we can talk about immigration reform. And the big thing, the big change uh, that we've proposed in the bill that we passed just this week, is a reform to the way asylum claims are processed. People, I don't think, realize um, that when you come to the border, if you claim asylum, if you say, I am here to claim asylum, our border patrol lets you walk across the border, uh, they make you stand in a line, and then they, quote, process your asylum claim. And the word process means they take down your information, they give you a hearing date, And then they send you into the country and just expect you to show up for your hearing. We all know that no one shows up for these hearings. They just go into the country and we never see them again. What we on the Republican side have proposed is uh, a return to the Trump days where if you want to claim asylum, then you need to either claim that uh, asylum from the south of the border and await a hearing uh, uh, resolution resolution. on the south side of the border or if you insist on coming into the country you you're going to then be detained until your asylum claim is adjudicated so you get two options under our plan claim asylum and wait for a decision on the south side of the border um or come on in but you're detained you're not locked up in prison you're just detained until that claim is adjudicated now what democrats are saying is if we do that we're going to have so many claims that um, nothing's uh, ever the legitimate asylum seekers won't be processed. What we believe is that once the message is out that you're not going to be able to falsely claim asylum and get into the United States, then we will have less of these claims and legitimate asylum seekers will in fact be processed quicker. Uh, but there's this message around the world and especially uh, from south of our border all the way into South America that our borders are open and that you can just come on up and walk on into the country. And that's true. Uh, and people are claiming asylum. And because they make that claim and there are no, uh, no there are no plans and the facilities are all full um, to hold people. Uh, they're being released into our cities and our communities. They're being flown on aircraft late into the night, and dropped in small cities around the nation. And uh, assuming we continue on this trajectory, the American people are, are all going to be, uh, Living in border states, you're going to see uh, an influx of immigrants uh, everywhere in the country, no matter where you live.
1: I think your point that border security is a different issue from immigration reform, I think that's a key point. You, You obviously believe we live in Florida. Florida has benefited from legal immigration, Texas has also benefited from legal immigration. So, Congressman, the idea is not to impede upon legal immigration into our country right
2: Uh, that is true Uh, the the idea is that the illegal immigration has put such a bad taste in the lives of everyday americans that there is a sour taste on immigration in general Um, and it has killed a desire for any immigration at all and i think we need to get back to the days of uh, legal processes Um, there's also quite a bit of resentment and the hispanic community in south texas uh there's a great article about henry cuellar he's a democrat congressman It's in politico this week and he talks about the resentment that exists among his community of people who came across the border legally they waited they applied and they very much resent um, those who are just uh, walking across and not uh, going through the processes but what we have uh, now is a huge crisis and then we've got democrats saying Uh, that were heartless, that were putting children in danger, that were separating them from their families. I mean, I I think it's heartless uh, to enrich the cartels. I think it's heartless uh, to encourage a system uh, whereby parents are bringing their children and giving their life savings to a cartel coyote paid member uh, in hopes of getting across the border. I think that if we had processes in place, and we send a message that the border is secure and you've got to do it the right way, then these children would not be put in harm's way. And it's uh, unfortunately a vicious cycle that really needs to be curtailed and, and stopped. But it doesn't look like it's going to get any better
1: anytime soon. I guess when you overload the wagon, you lose focus on being able to deal with legitimate claims for asylum. And that's pretty much right. Right. And, you know, if, if we
2: implemented this new way of doing it and said you're not going to come into the country until your claim is processed then the message would be sent that if i have an illegitimate claim and i can't come in until it is processed and i know that the eventual answer is going to be no because it's not legitimate then there's no point in coming to the u.s so by implementing this new procedure uh, it would immediately cut down on uh, the number of false claims which would then make it uh, uh, more fair to folks uh, from places like the Ukraine uh, and people that are making legitimate asylum claims because they are, in fact, being persecuted uh, for whatever reason. But we don't have any kind of system now, and it's just a free-for-all, and it is a total mess.
1: And Americans are being impacted by uh, whatever's coming across the border, whether it's uh, you know the coyotes uh, uh, and the cartels coming in and organizing those things. We don't have control of the border. They do as well as the fact that we have a fentanyl crisis that's been exacerbated by having basically a free-for-all at the border as well. I'm sure your community and every community in the United States is subject to that. And I think your point about every state really becomes a border state is is one that should be well taken. I agree totally. Congressman, I thank you so much for your time. You've been quite generous. Congressman Gooden representing the fifth district in Texas and serves on the key committee of financial services and will be involved in dealing with the debt ceiling. I appreciate your insights. Thank you so much.
0: Politics and Sunshine is a production of the Fort Lauderdale law firm, Tripp Scott, serving Florida and beyond for over 50 years. A reminder that this podcast is provided for general information purposes only and does not constitute legal or professional advice. No user should act on the basis of any material contained in this podcast without obtaining proper legal or professional advice specific to their situation. Please be sure to like and share this podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time for another fresh edition of Trip Scott's Politics and Sunshine.